Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hello, this is episode 57 of the Traveling Image Makers Podcast with Hugo Che and Ralph Velasco. This is also the first episode for 2017, and I'm sure you will appreciate the fact that we are busy recording and producing interviews even during the holidays for your pleasure and entertainment. Being the first episode of the new year, uh, it seems fitting that uh, this one would be a conversation about one of the hottest trends in photography today, and a trend that will become even more relevant in these and the coming years. Like it or not, mobile photography is here to stay, and few people are as qualified to speak about it than our guest for this week, Jen Pollack Bianco. Jen is an award-winning Seattle-based travel photographer and blogger who runs the luxury travel blog My Life's a Trip. Her mobile photography images have appeared everywhere from magazine covers, including Time and popular websites, and the Apple Shot on iPhone 6 campaign. Jen was kind enough to let us peek behind the curtain of how she takes, processes and publishes her award-winning images, what accessories she uses and what's her workflow. So if you are thinking of dipping your toes into mobile photography, this is an interview that you should definitely listen to. Next week, we will be back with a guest who shoots uh, film and digital exclusively in black and white on uh, Leica manual cameras. So as you can see, there's a little bit of uh, everything for everyone in this show. And now let's listen to our conversation with Jen Pollack Bianco. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Here we are with my good friend, Jen Pollack Bianco. Jen, uh, you and I became fast friends about six years ago at the IOETI. It's an e-marketing, e-tourism conference in Cairo. Uh, We and other travel bloggers and travel photographers were asked to speak directly to the tourism industry there. Since then, you and I have met uh, in some pretty great places around the world, including Prague, uh, when our schedules overlap there. And this past March, you joined my Swedish and Finnish Lapland trip. Which was awesome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show, number one. How are you doing? Um, I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Always wanted to do a p- podcast. I'm a big fan of the format. Yeah, and uh, before we started recording, uh, you kind of surprised me because I'm surprised this is your first time that you've actually been interviewed because uh, you're such a an interesting... A uh, person in the travel and photography industry. I'm pretty psyched that we scooped you. Thanks. I'm 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 excited about that too. Always <laughs> always great to work with friends. Absolutely. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became to be a photographer? I'm going to say I was always a photographer. I didn't necessarily identify as such, but I was always the girl with a camera. In high school, I didn't drink, and at parties, I was always like the girl hiding behind the camera, and it was kind of a way to socially interact with people and uh, have something in your hand that allowed you to break the ice instead of a cocktail. My father was a photographer, and I I grew up doing that, and then I went to film school. I studied uh, film and television at NYU undergrad, and then I got my master's in motion picture producing, and it's all visual storytelling. I mean, you take a lot of 
film classes in film school, including still photography classes, but it's all visual storytelling. And while I originally thought that I wanted to work in motion pictures, and I did for several years, I found that still photography is, I'm more of a still shooter than I am a motion picture shooter. It's a different technique. And I gravitated back towards photography when, you know, life just sort of turned more digital. And I was sort of sick of working in the film industry where things weren't getting produced when the travel industry uh, really exploded online and people wanted immediate information. A lot of companies started coming to me for content. I had a very early first generation website and travel blogs and websites and brands would come to me looking for content. And then I realized I kind of needed my own digital home base and I started my own blog. And then I decided I wanted to make more from shooting photographs than writing about them. And it worked. The blog worked for me that way. So that's how I became a travel blogger. So hi, Jen, and, uh, and welcome. It's great Thank to have you, you here. And, uh, Thanks. Uh, you mentioned your blog. Who's, uh, yes, uh, My Life's a Trip. Yeah, mylifesatrip.com. It's a, it's a great name. And uh, you have a, a tagline that is luxury without snobbery. Well, what does that mean? Where that the idea for that came from? I find that a lot of people consider luxury a certain designer brand or name brand or thing that they need to acquire. And that's just not my definition of luxury. To me, luxury is something that makes you really comfortable and is anticipated before you want it there and makes your life better. For me, the biggest luxury is a well-placed hammock under like a palm tree with a cabana boy who can bring me another margarita. Um, and I don't think you need to go to a name brand resort for that. I think you can find some hole in the wall in Ecuador that does that just as well as a uh, Four Seasons. And I don't discriminate that way. I don't think it needs to be well known or expensive to be luxurious to you. I think it's a personal point of view. And so I just wanted to embrace that as opposed to other travel blogs that necessarily want to promote certain brands. I promote things that I'm excited about. Um, because that's sort of my natural tendency. I'm sort of a natural cheerleader. When I get excited about something, I tell people and I'm like, this is really cool. And have you seen it? So blogging works for me that way, but it's not really about that. You need to have this brand, something, or that brand, something. If I find that brand and I'm excited about it, I'm going to promote it, uh, regardless of how much it costs. Yeah. But do you, do you work with brands? I mean, not, yes, I in do. a professional yes, I do. way, I, but you, as I understand yes. you also, you would just organically or spontaneously promote a hole in the wall in Ecuador if, it, uh, if, you, like, if you really like it. I would say both. I do yeah. both. I, I've worked with brands both on social media campaigns. I've worked with brands like Andaz and Krug Champagne on social media campaigns. I've worked for a lot of alcohol brands, like Scotch brand, McAllen, I think I worked with, and uh, there was another Scotch brand. Um, but I also work, but I will also go out of my way to promote the place in Ecuador just if I think it's cool or a certain kind of raincoat that I like or a certain gadget that I think is awesome that just naturally happens. But I'm not opposed to working with brands. It's just not my business model to go out and hype brands. I think that devalues the brand, but that's what my my blog is an independent blog and I'm not about selling ad space. I don't think there's any reason to come to my blog if there isn't a quality vet that you know that I'm going to be honest. 
And if you don't know what my bar for quality is, if I just pimp myself out to someone who wants to sell a bracelet, then how do you trust me? That's my personal perspective on that. I like that idea a lot. Uh, yeah, like you say, it really makes people uh, able to trust you when they come to your website. They know that you're you're speaking the truth. And uh, knowing you personally, I know that you always are pretty straightforward. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you have to be if you if you I need to be personally, I need to be able to go to bed at night. And also I'm not for everyone. I'm niche. There are certain places that want to cater to the masses. And that's not really what my, my life is about. I'm part of a two income couple. I don't have children. So I'm not for the person who's looking for family. I, the best family resorts to take your kids in Mexico, that there are different bloggers that handle that. I, that's not who I am. I'm think I'm into things that are a little more outside the box. Yeah. Uh, and I know you've had some real success with mobile photography and you've even had some of your Instagram images featured on the cover of Time magazine. I have. Uh, tell us more about that. Um, I really, keeping with my sort of personality trait that I'm naturally enthusiastic about things, travel and all these social media platforms are just a natural fit. Travelers are the first people that are always willing to share information and share when they find something cool. Oh, like Ralph, I recently got an email from you or a message on Facebook saying, Hey, I'm going to Tokyo. Where should I, where should I stay? And we had a conversation about that and I love Tokyo. So I'm excited to tell people or where to stay, what to do. And so I jumped on Instagram as soon as I heard about the platform and I thought it was really cool. And several, a couple years ago, they did a digital or wireless issue, their first annual wireless issue, and they had a hashtag. That was a add a hashtag to something, and I can't remember what it was, but they had a hashtag con contest. And so I had contributed some photos to that hashtag, and several of them wound up on the cover of the time wireless issue. They wound up doing sort of a, a thumbprint thing where it was a background of thumbprints of thumbnail size prints and I had like five of them but I met a bunch of other I I work working through the blog I have access to uh Ukrainian research Ukrainian researchers who helped me figure out what other images uh were chosen and I monitored social media and I found other photographers who had had their images used in that campaign. And I started to follow them. And through them, I met more and more other people who were interested in shooting with mobile phones and, and using that technology and early adopters. And I joined some Facebook groups and I joined some Flickr groups. And I've met a whole community, which is really kind of amazing. And one thing leads to another, leads to another. And uh, the next thing you know, I'm contacted by Apple and I had images in the shot on iPhone 6 campaign, which was completely surreal seeing images that you share on Instagram. And in the Instagram world, I have, I don't know, a little over 5,000 5, followers, which is substantial to some, but in Instagram fame world, it's nothing. I'm small potatoes. But still, those images, uh, I wound up getting contacted by Apple and had three images used in their shot on iPhone six campaign, which was absolutely surreal and amazing to see a photo you took on your iPhone on a billboard. I once flew, there was a billboard by LAX, Los Angeles International Airport on the West Coast. I was flying from LAX to New York that day and I drove by my billboard. 
on the 405 freeway, got on a plane, flew into uh, JFK, took a cab into Manhattan and saw my billboard, my Apple billboard embrace me coming through the Midtown Tunnel. It was kind of surreal. And it was a photo I took in Namibia on a trip to Namibia with my iPhone 6. So that was pretty amazing. But I found that there's a, there are a lot of situations where uh, mobile photography is your best bet. Um, it works a lot for me in travel stuff because, one, it's easily portable. And a lot of times when you're traveling, how much gear you can take is key, particularly when carry-on limits just get bigger and uh, more. it's more cost prohibitive to travel with heavy bags. And it's less fun. For me, the heavier the bag, the less fun I have. That's just the way it works. Um, I'm more than happy to pull out the big guns when I'm shooting the Northern Lights, as you know, because you 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 need that technology there. You need a fast glass. You need a sturdy tripod. You need uh, a camera that can handle low, low light and is very sensitive. But for a lot of stuff, particularly portrait photography, things that are wide angle, uh, things that are well lit, I find that the mobile photography can work as well, if not better. Um, a lot of people freeze up when you're doing portraiture abroad. A lot of people will still freeze up or go overly cheesy if you put a big lens in front of them. There's People are lens shy, and they're less intimidated by a mobile phone. So it, and, whatever works, whatever works. And you're referring to the subject in this case. Yes, correct, correct. Mm. When you're photographing a person... Also with children, you know, children are sometimes uh, very difficult to photograph because they tend to smile too hard for the camera. So it's sometimes best that, you know, you pretend you're stopped shooting and then they relax and then you get the shot. That old whole trick, I find it's just much easier to handle when you act like you're taking test photos with the iPhone. And those are really what you're using. And then they cheese out for the, the DSLR shots. You, you refer to, to children? And yes. I was thinking, uh, what's the, the, the parents' reaction? I mean, uh, I'm thinking that maybe that's not the case, but uh, you would take a photo of people, especially children, with a camera, mm -hmm. and maybe the parents would not immediately think that you are sharing that to social media uh, publicly at the moment you are taking them. If you're taking them with a photo of them with a mobile phone, maybe some parents will think you are... Uh, streaming live to, to Facebook or other things that they would consider in, inappropriate? Um, that is, hasn't been my experience personally, but I would never photograph a child that I didn't know or have a rapport with or have a rapport with the parents with or have permission to shoot. Um, I, for example, had a really great experience and one of these photos wound up on the cover of Mobiography magazine uh, touring last This time last year, I was in Rwanda, and I did a village tour uh, with a local guide who does charity work and gets donations and brings things in to Rwandan school children. And I took like a village tour there, and I was with the guide, and I explained to the guide what I was doing, and the kids were super friendly and super natural, and they didn't overly, they didn't have an issue with it. So I felt comfortable sharing those. But I... I never share anything that I don't think the subject would feel comfortable sharing. I'm not particularly a, I'm not a street photographer. I don't consider myself a hardcore documentary shooter. I don't, those aren't tough lines for me to negotiate. For other people, they might be trickier, but I, that's, 
for me, it's not an issue. Jen, are you shooting much video with the iPhone? Because I know I'm using my iPhone more and more, but especially for video. It's great for time lapses. I find yeah, it's and great. slow motion, it's, right? Yes, I agree. Yeah, it's fantastic for that kind of stuff. In fact, as soon as I could get rid of the GoPro, I did. Um, it was just one more thing to carry and there were too many moving parts with it. And I'm ultimately came up with the feeling like I need this tool if I were a reality show producer or a person who had a surfing dog and I'm not those things. So if I can do it with my iPhone, why wouldn't I? And to be honest, I have two iPhones because I travel so much. I have two iPhone seven pluses on two different networks, one which I barely use, but if I'm shooting a situation where I want both video and still, it gives me those options. But it's it's great for video. It's fantastic for video, and it's much easier to then just upload to Dropbox or upload to the cloud, however you, you want to do it and have access to it. Works for me. Yeah, I've been uh, shooting a lot of video with the iPhone, and I still just have a six, but mm -hmm. uh, it's still a great, great it's camera. It's a great, but, great camera. Mm -hmm. But what I'm doing is uh, recommending to my tour participants, uh, you know, of course, these are cultural tours with a focus on photography, but I'm recommending that people get a variety of content, including video, time lapse, panoramas, Absolutely. slow motion, everything to tell that story. I think yeah. that's smart. I think that's smart. And it's also we're in this interesting phase where you kind of don't know what format is going to have legs when there's all this new technology. For example, uh, there are these things called cinemagraphs, and I'm sure you've seen them in social media. And it's basically an overlay technology with video where you can freeze part of the video so that's a still and then kind of mm -hmm. digitally erase the background so only part of the frame is moving. Right. And it's been very, they're very interesting and they're very kind of entrancing and not every image lends itself to that technology and it's a little advanced, but it's really cool. But I have no idea whether that's going to be a thing in a year or not, but why not try it? And the great thing about shooting with a mobile camera or mobile phone is that it's quick, it's easy. There's not a lot of commitment. You don't have to rebuy film. You can upload it to the cloud and get it off your phone fairly quickly. Um, so it doesn't have to take up a lot of space and then use whatever winds up working because you'd never know what winds up working. And in this digital world, I found that sometimes I'll wind up shooting something and then someone will come to me after the fact and say, Hey, do you have any video of that? Or do you have any stills of that? And it will be something that I didn't necessarily need for my own purposes on the blog, but I might have it. So why not? Why not cover cover your bases? It's also, it's fun to try those things. You don't know until you try them what you're good at. So I, I think it's always fun. But I, the thing that I found frustrating that's kind of trendy at the moment are those Instagram boomerangs. They're kind of a, a cross between a GIF or GIF and a, a video where it takes a bunch of stills and it makes like a four second looping video. But it's just, four seconds long and it doesn't seem to have any shelf life outside of Instagram. So I just try to stay away from formats that I don't think have a shelf life outside of that platform. I try to stay away from, I would say, uh, platform specific formats, if that makes sense. I don't need to do something that has no purpose beyond some closed world that I don't necessarily go to, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And that leads right into a question I was going to ask you about uh, any new sharing platforms that are currently out or on the horizon that we should be aware of, or is it still the, you know, the basic Facebook, Instagram, Twitter trio that you're focusing on? That's what I'm focusing on. Different people, uh, tend to gravitate towards different things. I know people who are super into Pinterest. I find it's just not not my jam, so to speak. I know people who are super into Snapchat. I, I don't feel any reason to be on Snapchat. And that might ultimately be a mistake on my my part, but I'm sort of like I don't I don't need to have a presence everywhere. Um, if there was something, I, I try to check out everything new that I see, but I haven't seen anything new platform wise. We might be at a platform saturation level, um, where there's so many platforms. I, I do have be like a YouTube channel, but that's almost like a more repository thing than it is a, to me, a platform. I still contribute things to YouTube, to Flickr, to whatever it needs to be, but I try not to do things that are platform specific and I haven't seen anything new that's super super exciting but who knows Uh, there's been a lot of change in this past year and I think in the coming years with the political vibe I think there are going to be more weird hidden platforms or less on the slide that's just my personal vibe is that things are going to change a little and we'll have to reevaluate as they come along but I haven't seen any platform that's excited me recently are you doing anything with Facebook Live? That seemed to be really big uh, maybe a month or two ago, and I really haven't heard much about it lately. Um, I haven't. I tried to when I was in Yosemite, and I had connectivity issues. And I know that there's Instagram Live, too. That's the biggest new thing that I've seen is now at the latest update of Instagram. I definitely have seen things where people that I follow are going live. And everything that I've seen so far from people I follow is just people are playing with it and figuring it out. I haven't seen anyone effectively harness it yet. So I haven't seen anything cool on it live. But I don't I don't consider myself a live broadcaster. So that's not something. And I haven't been in a situation. I haven't been at a rally. I haven't been in a newsworthy situation that would warrant going live, if that makes sense. When sharing to social media, I'm, I was meaning to ask, do you shoot, process, and share directly from the phone, or do you sometimes or often pass your images through a computer for processing? I try to keep my Instagram as mobile photography heavy as I can, just because I like the concept of shooting and sharing directly from the same device. That's not to say that it's 100%. I'm also not a purist. I'm like, whatever works for you for the content is what you should do. Um, So there are certainly some DSLR images on my Instagram feed, but most of it I try to keep iPhone only because I think that's a fun challenge. It also forces me to try out new apps and see what's out there and see how far that technology has come. And now there's also, you know, there's Lightroom Mobile is an app and there's a Photoshop app and they're, they're pretty good. I mean, they have a lot of, it also depends what your photographic style is. I would say my photographic style is not overly edited. I I try to be realistic. Um, I like things that are pretty, but I like them to be relatable and a little bit off. And that stuff that I, those, those kind of editing challenges, I found I've been able to manage with uh, mobile photography 
applications and I can have a pretty good mobile only workflow. There are definitely images that I've then taken off my mobile phone. For example, the first time I tried to shoot the Northern Lights with my iPhone, those images I wasn't able, this was a, about a year and a half ago, I was in Iceland um, and I photographed them. I, I always attempt like, let's see how far the technology has come. I did it again this year. I was in Norway and I shot the mobile, the Northern Lights with both my Canon and my iPhone. And the iPhone images, the first round, I needed to go into Lightroom and really play with those curves in order to get some results that were easy to look at or not too horrific. And I had better luck with mobile only the second time around, but it was, you know, 16 months later or whatever. And the technology comes that fast. The new generations of technology, it's just so quick that it's always good to test those things. Aside from apps, so software and the existing technology, are there any hardware accessories accessories that you use to take better or just different images yes. like add-on lenses? Yes, or there are like a that? couple. My biggest one uh, that I would recommend to everything is I think you need, a, you need to have a tripod. And this is key if you want to do video or time lapses too. You need something that's going to effectively hold your, your mobile phone still while you're taking a photo. It also works with uh, um, some of the apps that allow you to do like long exposure, longer exposures. You know, you, you can't have the camera shake. So handheld isn't going to work for that. So I'm, I have an, an entire iPhone only setup, me, me photo, which makes those tripods that I learned from, from Ralph. They make these little easy, lightweight travel tripods they have one, their lightest version, um, now I think it's called a road trip or a day day trip or day hike, something like that, comes with a, like, they've got a mobile phone head. So you can, I have an entire different tripod set up for my iPhone than I do for my Canon. And I also have an in-your-face view base, which is like a clamp kind of iPhone holder, which is really good for making time lapses. I like to do it, I'd say, if I was going to do something about a food, something that was like a, a turkey being carved or something at a table because it can just clamp on the side of the table and you can do a time lapse easy that way. And it's super easy and it fits in my purse. So anything that's small and portable, those, the tripod to me is the number one accessory. If you're going to go additional, I like a la clip lenses, which that technology keeps getting better and better. Um, the thing that I don't like about that technology is that often... So the last two iPhones have been very similar in in specs. You know, sometimes the when you get all the add-ons, the second you get the uh, new version, nothing works anymore, and you have to replace all the hardware. Yeah. So I try to stay minimal, but I, I'm not opposed to an all clip. I I'm I always have a tripod, and I also think that it's good to have a portable handheld LED light to either use as if you need additional lighting, if you need a little foreground light, or if you need to somehow illuminate part of the scene. Those are cheap, easy to buy uh, on Amazon. And they work, you know, they're not mobile phone specific. They fit in a pocket. I use it with my regular camera too. But I always think that's a good tool to have in the in the arsenal. Great. Um, it, that That's really interesting. Uh, you know, especially the it, it makes so much sense to have a stability device when it comes to doing these longer exposures and time lapses and things like that when you really need the the device to be still. 
Uh, can you give us you know, three of your best mobile photography tips you know, that our listeners can immediately put into use? Absolutely. I would say my three, three top tips. Number one, don't be lazy. Go and get, see, your, people don't understand that your eye is very good at editing out noise and photographs. Like if you're hyper-focused on the palm tree with the pretty camera lights or the pretty Christmas lights, your eye edits out the trash can that's in front of that, but your camera is going to pick up what's ever there. So I'm like, get up, move, compose the frame in your viewfinder the way you see it in your eye or whatever is, is exciting to you in your eye. Um, try to make those two things match. So my number one rule is don't be lazy. Just go and do it. My number two rule, get away from eye level. Get away from eye level because that's what everyone predicts and that's the view that everyone's seen before. Go high, go low. Try to shoot something that you've seen before from a more unusual angle or try to do it in a different way. If you're shooting a tree, either go super close, go macro or go really far away. Do something to play with the perspective. Um, my third tip would be Try it. Why not? Like experiment. Give yourself, give yourself a little bit of a budget every month, whether it's five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever. Download a couple apps, including one you don't think will work for you. It's always worth it to go and see what te technology is out there and what it's doing and then figure out if it works in your, your workflow or not. It's always worth like at least 99 cents to see where the technology is for me. It doesn't mean you have to keep it on your camera. It doesn't mean you have to use it. Less is more for me editing wise. So uh, a lot of times things aren't for me, but it's interesting for me to know what's out there. Great. Great. And I know that you're constantly on the road, Jen, uh, probably more than I am, which is quite a bit, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, do you have some three, uh, do you have uh, maybe three travel tips that you can give our listeners that uh, maybe, you know, are a little bit out of the box? Let me think. My three travel tips would be, one, uh, find a photo. If you're serious about taking photos and that's what you want, find the tour guide that's a photographer. Um, I always find that photographers tend to be pretty cool. They tend to be, if you can find a local photographer and you can find these people online now through either Airbnb now offers, I think local experiences. And I found them on several different, different platforms where you can find people who are willing to give you a photo tour of someplace. It's an awesome way to get some inside Intel uh, photographers are always willing to show off what's pretty about their place and they're generally pretty cool. So it's, an, it's a great way to make a local contact and get a little bit of photo advice. And they've already, they already know the best spots and where to go and when to do it. So why not get the most bang from your buck if that's what you want are the great photos. Find the tour guide who's great with, with photography. So that, that's definitely key. Two, use Instagram for research. I search hashtags, I search geotags all the time to figure out what it is I want to do. And then I also, if I'm going to, for example, when I was planning my trip to Norway, let me see what photo aggregates there are from Norway. There was one called Norge Photo. That's Norway Photo in Norwegian. Let me go through there. Let me see who the best shooters are coming out of Norway. 
Let's follow them. Let's see what locations they shoot and plan a trip around that. For me, that works fantastically. And my third, my third tip is, well, outside the box, I can never remember my hotel room. I'm in so many and everything's a card key now that I always take a photo of my hotel room so I know where I'm going back to every night. Because <laughs> sometimes it's three different rooms in a week. And I can't remember whether I was in 425 or 247. <laughs> so you're talking about the specific door to your room because I recommend I, I recommend that uh, my people take a picture of the actual hotel outside so that oh. they can show a picture of it to the tuk-tuk driver that or the taxi totally driver. Totally makes sense too. I will say that <laughs> that is that is a great that is a great one. That is a great one. I'm going to start doing that too. But that makes sense. Images transcend language barriers, so that's a good one. <laughs> that's funny to take a picture of the actual room that I hadn't thought of that. that that's great. I, I've screwed up rooms quite a few times. It's hard to keep track. If, <laughs> when you're on the road, when you're a road warrior, it's hard to keep track. <laughs> great tips. Great tips. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm going to put some of them in practice soon. Got some trips coming up and uh, I'll listen again to this, to this interview to, mm -hmm. to get some inspiration. <laughs> Also, don't be afraid of reaching out to people. If you find local shooters in countries, like when you're searching on Instagram, follow those people. If they speak English, you know, reach out to them, ask them. And I get asked in comments all the time on Instagram, hey, like, what time of day did you shoot this photograph? Or how did you get there? I had a hard time getting there. Did you? People will ask me questions on social media platforms and I try to answer them. I can't, you know, I don't have time to answer every question, particularly if it's something that I've already answered in the, in the caption and they haven't bothered to read it. But a lot of times it's a great way to make a connection with somebody local and uh, learn something or get some local tips or some local intel. Why not? And then you, you'll find up if you, if you take part in these communities, you can sometimes find that you have a whole network of people that you can reach out to when you're traveling. I mean, I've got a photographer that I met through the shot on iPhone six campaign that anytime I'm in Ireland, he'll, he'll be willing to shoot with me. I've got a guy in Japan I want to go shoot with. And I met them all through photography and the guy in Japan, I don't think he speaks English, but we both speak camera and that can be enough to get through and have a really great experience that I, I don't, I, that to me is where the value is. Like I live for experiences like that. I live for meeting and connecting with people and having those sorts of experiences. And to me, that's what social media is about, where a lot of people are chasing likes or want the validation from the likes. To me, I'm a personal relationship person. So to me, social media platforms are all an opportunity to make more connections and meet other people that I wouldn't meet otherwise. And when I meet those people and get relationships with those people, that to me is incredibly fulfilling makes a lot of sense uh you know some of those things i hadn't thought about uh but uh i like that idea a lot what other trips do you have coming up this next year i know you've you're you're probably looking at your schedule quite I'm a bit to, yeah, further trying, out right trying, well i'm trying to figure figure it out i have um i have a sick dog so i'm not planning and on i usually plan things six months out and I, I have a dog that has an, a, an immediate care need. So I'm doing things shorter term this time. But I do have, I'm trying to plan a trip to Tulum, Mexico. Um, mm -hmm. I am going back to the Lofoten Islands in Norway, which is one of the most beautiful thing, places I've, I've ever been. I've been since, you're the one, I blame you, Ralph. You got me stuck on the Arctic Circle. 
And once, <laughs> once I bought the gear, I'm sort of like, okay, well, I'm in this mode where I'm into shooting the Northern Lights and I have the gear. Now I've found the right heated mittens to shoot the Northern Lights with. I'm going to hit all those spots now while I'm, I'm willing to do it. And I'm going to do a, a winter uh, photo workshop in the Lofoten Islands in, in, at the end of February, which should be incredibly freezing but interesting. Mm. And where else do I want to go next year? Um, I'd really like, I was supposed to go to Ethiopia this year and that didn't happen. So I'm hoping to make that happen next year. I'm really interested in Ethiopia. It just seems like a, a really fascinating culture and, and I love Africa and it's purely African. It was never colonized and I kind of want to get down with that and get to know it better. Yeah, pretty cool and uh, would be great to stay here for couple hours more to hear you talk about all those those things but um, I'm afraid we are at the top of the time we have allotted for this uh, for this conversation we might oh, do another one you. soon uh, as I said <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's, thank it's you. been really great and, uh, so thank you for, for being our guest today and, uh, Ralph any anything else you would like to to ask or add before we Well, Jen, uh, let's make sure that people know where to connect with you online. Where can they find you? Find your my, work. Uh, my blog is my home base, and that's my life's a trip. My life's a trip .com is the website. Um, my social media handle, Twitter and Instagram, are the two that I am most uh, worth pursuing on. And my social media handle is the same on both. It's at LAX number two NRT, LAX two NRT. So by all means, follow me, introduce yourself, let me know that you listen to this podcast and we can chat. I'd love to, I'd love to meet people who find me this way. It's always interesting. And we'll make sure we put links to those in the show notes. Much appreciated. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Jen. Really appreciate your time. Always fascinating to uh, hear about what you're up to. And uh, let's uh, connect more often. Thank you and goodbye and all the best in the new year. Thanks, Jen. Bye.